Welcome to the Celebration Church Orlando podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Hey, church. Welcome to Church at Home. We are so, so glad that you're here with us. And as always, we're honored whenever you allow us to, to come into your homes, in your cars, or wherever you may be enjoying this content. It is something that we're always so honored to do. We're so, so glad that you are here. I also want to take a quick moment to say happy 4th of July weekend to everyone. I pray that you're having a great time with your family and friends and that you are being safe. And I also want to take this moment to welcome you into our home. That's right. We're, we're right back inside of the Pittman household. Now, I know what some of us may be thinking, and I'm thinking the exact same thing. You're saying to yourself, well, Keith, I, just a couple of weeks ago, we were, we were all gathered together in this great venue. We had people around and we had crowd participation. We had engagement. And, and Keith, you laid out this incredibly brilliant, well-spoken, well-thought-out plan about us beginning to strategically gather again. And you know what? You're absolutely right. We did that. We had a true um, anticipation and expectation of us coming back together um, and slowly beginning to work through the phases while being safe and being responsible, but also beginning to move forward with us beginning to gather once again. And, and, and we're excited about that. But then we began to see a, a, a massive uptick. We began to see a peak and a spike in the, the coronavirus hitting here um, in Orlando. And, and quite, quite honestly, it actually began to hit close to home for us as well. We've had family members that have tested positive for COVID. We also had other staff members here at Celebration Orlando that have tested positive and some of our other locations as well. So it, it caused us to pause and begin to make sure that, that we were not moving at a pace that was outpacing God. So we began to slow down. So here's what that means for us. For, for right now, we're going to begin to go back into quarantine and recording from our home here and maybe from some other strategic locations, but still doing our best to, to be socially distancing and doing our best to, to begin to minimize the spread of this. I know that all of us are anxious to get back out. I know all of us are looking forward to, to gathering once again. And believe me, I am with you 100%. But here's something that's really important for us. Your utmost safety is one of our top concerns. We want to be obedient. We want to be faithful, but we also want to operate with wisdom. So that's kind of where we are. But guess what? We also still do have some incredible good news for us as well. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we mentioned that we were going to be doing Serve Day, and we've been praying and processing what does that look like in light of all these things. Now, I'm here. To, I'm happy to announce that we're still going to do Serve Day um, in July, on July 11th. And, and here's why we're going to do that, because this was very well thought out and prayed through and even put in a great plan to make sure that this is actually going to be social distancing. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go onto our website and check out all the information about Serve Day. The whole idea is really just being and expressing a city that we love. I believe in times just like this, it is so important for us as a church to continue to do our best, that even in times of a global pandemic, even in times of uncertainty, for us to do our best to say that we're standing with you, even in seasons when we can't stand next to you. So that's what survey is really going to be. So I want us to, to go onto the website, register, to be a part of this incredible thing that we're going to be doing in our community. You're going to see the organizations that we're partnering with. I truly do believe it's going to be a powerful time for us as a church to show the love of Jesus in our community. Also, we have some special release merch that's going to be available and it's going relatively quick. So go into the website and not only are you going to have a really cool serve day shirt, but you're also going to be able to grab a hold of our mask. It's going to be absolutely awesome. So so please consider partnering with us as we make a difference in our city, as we have been able to do even during this pandemic. But here's what I also know, church. We are truly in just uncharted territory. I guess that's just the best way for me to put it. I mean, we are in a season that I don't think any of us saw coming. 
We're in the middle of things that none of us have ever been in before. If we really were to take it seriously, here's what I think it's safe to say. None of us expected for us to be here as we were going into 2020. We just, we just didn't see it happen. Let's look around for a moment. We are in the middle of a global pandemic. Nobody saw this coming. This is uncharted territory. In addition to that, we are, we are in the middle of a deep divide in our country between politics and, and even this racial tension that we're feeling and the arguments and, and all the things that are happening. And, and while some of those elements are not new in and of themselves, but, but this crockpot that these things seem to be all working together right now, and we're, we're in some very uncharted territory right now. Unemployment. Let's consider for a moment that we have people that are among us, even amongst our own community, many of which that have been furloughed, went back to work, and now are furloughed again. This is just, this is uncharted territory. This is, there's no schema for this. This is a place that, that, I, that I think it's safe to say that, that we haven't been here. Even as a parent, I can stand before you right now, and I legitimately have no clue what next school year is going to look like for my son. It's, it's, it's uncharted territory. And while in and of itself, some of these things may not be that big of a deal, but when you mix it all together, I think it's safe to say that, that this is deeply, deeply uncharted territory. That word uncharted simply means it's unknown. It means that we, things didn't go according to plan, that, that we didn't expect this, that there's, this is not even on a map yet. That's kind of where we find ourselves. So here's my encouragement. For every student that's out there, be patient. This is uncharted territory for your parents. For every parent that's out there, be patient with your student. They are un, this is uncharted territory. For every staff member that's a part of an organization, be patient. This is uncharted territory. And while I know there's a lot of great resources out there that we're all trying to figure things out. None of us are experts at this because this is all uncharted territory. But you know, I find my hope in this. I find my hope in the fact that we are not without having good company. In fact, when you look at the scriptures, when you look at the word of God, you'll often find when we take that concept that many people found themselves in uncharted territory. And I truly believe that the passage that we're going to read today brilliantly illustrates and it really helps us walk through what does it look like when things don't go according to plan, but how do you navigate through it anyway? We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 27. But before we get there, let me give us a little bit of context, because I really feel like this is really going to help us um, to be informed on how we see this passage of Scripture. See, Paul was on a mission to preach the gospel in Rome. He was arrested in Acts chapter 21 for causing a riot for his beliefs. And from that point forward, he was kind of passed on from one location to the next in hopes of finding someone that would issue a judgment and maybe even and, and maybe even issue a verdict of possible death. But God had other plans. What it says here in Acts 23, in light of what I just said to you, that it says this, the following night, the Lord, this is Jesus, stood by him and said, take courage, for as you have testified of the facts of me in Jerusalem, so must you testify also in Rome. This this is, this is important because what Paul was given is even though he had a calling, even though he had varying assignments, Jesus appears to him while he's in jail, a circumstance that I'm pretty sure none of us would ever want to be in. And Jesus says, take courage. I have an assignment for you to take place in Rome. So I truly believe that Paul was able to grab a hold of what Jesus said and was able to say, no matter what season, no matter where I might find myself, that Jesus spoke a word to me and I know that he's going to bring it to pass. That is so important. So take that concept here into Acts 27, looking at verses 1 through 11, and maybe we can begin to understand how Paul was able to respond with such faith in the moment of crisis. 
Let's read it all together. It says it here, starting at verse number one. And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in a ship of Amadratium, um, which was about to sail from the ports uh, to the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, um, a Macedonian from Thessaloniki. The next day, we put into sail to Sidon, um, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go with his friends and to be cared for. And putting out to sea from there, we were sailed under the lee of Cyprus um, because the winds were against us. Underline that because we're going to see a theme here. The winds were against us. And we had sailed across the open sea to the coast of Sicilia and Pamphylia. We came to Myra and Lycia. There was a centurion ship found there, Alexandria, sailing for Italy, and they put us aboard that. They had the ship, they had to switch ships now because they, they, they found another ship that was going to that destination. They, they went over and it says that we sailed slowly for a number of days and we arrived with difficulty in Nidus and the winds did not allow us to go any further. We sailed under the lee of Crete off of Salomone, this resistance, coasting along with difficulty. We came to a place called Fair Havens near which was the city of Lycia. Since much time has passed, the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over. That means that we're entering into the winter season, that season of storms. When it says the fast, they're talking about the Day of Atonement. So they're giving us markers in time and saying that we've been out here floating around for way too long. So we're in a very dangerous spot because if we keep moving forward, we're going to be sailing into the winter season. Here's what it says here. So starting here at verse number nine, um, or sorry, I'm sorry, starting at verse number uh, 10. So so since much time has passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was over, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul was saying. Paul was able to discern that there was something off. And so he offered up this bit of wisdom saying, like, maybe it's best for us to kind of hang out and chill here, get past the season, and then we can make it to our destination. But they chose not to listen to Paul. Today, I want to talk to us around this idea of what does it feel like when we're in a place that we didn't expect to be? If you're taking notes, I want you to write this message title down, Uncharted. Let's pray and let's, let's jump in. Lord, we thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for every opportunity that we're able to gather, whether it be all together collectively as a community, or whether it be right now in our homes, or however we're engaging this. Holy Spirit, we know that you're with us, so we invite you to speak to us, and we ask that you give us open eyes, open ears, and open hearts, so we can receive everything that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Paul, Paul was a seasoned sailor. And this concept was, was relatively rare for, for Jews because they had some superstitions about um, when it came to the sea. The sea was often viewed as a, as a dark force. It was viewed as a place that, that dark powers would even emerge. They even considered it a place to be where monsters lived. I know that sounds crazy, but, but remember Jonah getting swallowed by a whale? And their, in their context, the sea was this place where, where, where danger often emerged. Even in Daniel chapter 7, verse number 3, Daniel says that four beasts came out of the sea. In this context, they would have been familiar with this. So the sea was often viewed as this, this very scary place. In fact, the sea was also viewed as being unpredictable. Noah is an example of that. They were in the waters and it was, they had no idea when things were going to stop. So it built this theology, possibly, or this ideology that, that the sea was unpredictable. It was scary. There was no control over it. And so here's what I believe. I sense that this may be why God used the sea as a canvas to paint so many miracles on. 
Here, watch this. The, the Exodus narrative included crossing the Red Sea, getting out of bondage and going into a place of freedom. We also know that they had to cross over the Jordan River, that same Jordan River where John did baptisms and where Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit uh, descended upon him. We even see instances where Jesus was walking on the water. Remember, the sea was often viewed as a scary place, but we see God is now redeeming this just a little bit. We even see moments where Jesus silences a storm, this unpredictable um, process and thing that would often fuel fear that we see Jesus comes in and silences it like it didn't even exist anymore. Maybe, just maybe, that God was showing us something. That maybe God is, is using this because what I, what I truly believe is that all of us have those things that, that maybe we have some superstitions about. Certainly we wouldn't use those words, but those things that, that if we're honest with ourselves, it makes us feel uncomfortable. Those things that, that may even keep us up at night. But I believe that this passage, this concept can begin to, to bring a little bit of peace into our minds, into our hearts. Here's the thing I want us to walk away with. I believe that it's in moments like this that God is showing us that he conquered the things that keep us up at night so we can rest in him. That was so good. I'm going to say that again, that Jesus conquered the things that keep us up at night so we can rest in him. I assure you that whatever it is that you're facing right now, Jesus conquered it, that whatever the things that may keep you up at night, Jesus has already defeated it. So the idea is that we can rest in him because we know that Jesus was able to conquer all of it. So it's with this concept, it's with this understanding that when Paul, who has been through so many things, he's able to stand on the finished work of Christ. We even see here in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, remember that, that the book of Acts, when it is written, it covers a lot of time. So the, the book of Corinth, when that, when that book was written, Paul had already lived that moment. So here we have Paul saying this about himself. He says that three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. And at night and day, I was adrift at sea. So Paul had all of these experiences. And now here he is on this ship. Now, you would think. With a resume like that, that they would have listened to him. You would think that with someone who has been shipwrecked three times, don't let him drive, but maybe you could just listen to what he has to say. Someone who's been through so many things that, that you would consider listening to him, but they didn't. Instead, it says that they chose to listen to the owner and they chose to listen to the pilot because they both had, they had some very personal interests. For the owner, he had baggage there that he wanted to make sure that it made it to the destination and he can get paid. And for the pilot, he was going to rely on his experience. So watch this. That makes logical sense, but it's not wise. I want us to lean in for this. Sometimes we can mistake logic for wisdom and we can miss out on what God is trying to show us. Our logic can begin to kick in in such a way that it can that it can override wisdom. What God is really trying to show us and we can completely miss out on this opportunity. So as a result of them leaning on logic and not listening to wisdom, now we begin to see things go downhill and really quick. They find themselves in a storm and, and, and being shifted from one direction to the next, and it doesn't get any better. In fact, verse 20 says this, they haven't seen the sun or star in days. Now, that is how they were able to navigate. They didn't have GPS in the ways that we'd have right now. They navigated by looking at the sun and the stars, and that's what allowed them to know where they were. But the text says that they were in this spot for so long that they didn't even know where they were because they couldn't see the sun and the stars. So what they had to do is they began to offload things in hopes that maybe they wouldn't be capsized. So as they were throwing everything overboard, as they were throwing off the very resources they were going to try to sell, they had to offload those things. They also, they also threw off their hope because what the Bible says is that they came to a point where they didn't even have hope that they would be saved. It occurs to me, church, that there's times where we can find ourselves in seasons that, that we lose hope. 
I, I wrote it down like this. I, I believe that there's some times where the struggle can deplete our hope. See, when your marriage hits a rough spot and you struggle for too long, you can begin to lose a little bit of hope. When the quarantine seems as if it has no end in sight, we can wrestle and struggle for so long that we can, we can truly begin to lose hope. When each day we, we go on social media or go into the news and we see such diametric opposition when it comes to basic human rights, when it comes to equality, when it comes to the issues that, that really don't need to be debated like racism, and yet we still see people that want to ignore that it even is a real thing or we, wanna, we have these moments where we, we could be in this space for so long that we can slowly begin to lose hope. It could be exhausting when you, when you look at a world that, that refuses to change. It could be exhausting when you're, when you're trying your best to, to raise a family in an environment that is honoring to God, but it seems as if there's, the, the, the culture is not walking in concert with you. You can begin to slowly lose hope. But let me, let me encourage us really quick. We need to change our source. I want us to hear me really close. Change your source. Stop, stop looking to the media. Stop looking to social media. Stop looking to politics. Stop looking for people to give you permission on what you should care about or give you the guidelines on what you should do. We be need to begin to have eyes for the kingdom of God, allowing that to be the thing that draws us in altogether. I want us to understand this. I'm not saying that we should not be aware of what's around us, but please don't lose sight of who dwells on the inside of us. Yes, we should absolutely, we should absolutely be informed by what we see, but please don't let what you see inform you. Did you catch that? Be informed by what you see, but don't let what you see inform you. Begin to form the way that you see people, form the way that you think about things. We got to be mindful of these things. Be informed by what you see, but we need to be informed by who we know. See, it's important for us to get context, but we look to Jesus for our content. This is the tension that we all find ourselves in. And what I love that Paul says here in 2 Corinthians verse 4, 8 and 9, he says this, we are inflicted in every way. I see that we are inflicted, but on the inside, I know that we are not crushed. We are perplexed. I see that, but we are not driven to despair. We are persecuted. I see that, but inside, I know that we are not forsaken. We are struck down. I see that. But on the inside, I know that we are not destroyed. Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter eight, for I consider the present sufferings at this time not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. What we see is Paul is building this tension where he says, I see some things on the outside, but I know who dwells on the inside. That's my encouragement for some of us right now as we find ourselves in this uncharted territory. Be aware of what you see, but don't you allow what you see to inform you. Allow that to be exclusively a position that we only give to Jesus. Paul was able to recognize where he was and, and where the people were and the fear that was in the room. So he began to stand up and he began to speak with boldness. Paul even has a little bit of a, I told you so in his speech, but he wasn't doing that from the context of being arrogant. What he was saying is, I told you that we were going to go down this path. So maybe now you could begin to listen to wisdom and not yield to your logic. There's four quick points that I want to share with us that I believe can be an encouragement for us as we navigate through this uncharted territory that I think we all find ourselves in. These are four steps that I think can help us if we can put these into practice immediately. Here's the first thing I want you to write down. Pray about it. Pray about it. Here's what it says here at verse 29. And fearing that we might run upon the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and they prayed for the day to come. It is so self-explanatory. It is so powerful. But I still want to explain it to us that these men were desperate, that they had no hope, that they had no peace, that they had no clarity. 
There was darkness all around, but the Bible says that they prayed about it. We don't see that there was any eloquent prayer. They don't have a long list of all the things that they say. They were simply looking at where they were and they prayed for the opposite. And I want to encourage somebody right now who may feel, Keith, I don't have I don't have all the language. I don't know all the scriptures. And while that is very powerful when we have moments where we can do that. But please understand, all you need to do is just pray about what you need. And if you're in a place right now where you're dealing with confusion, then you pray and ask God to give you clarity. When you find yourself in a place where you're where you're recognizing that you have fear, then you pray and ask God to give you boldness. When you're wondering about your provision, then you pray and ask God to provide for it. Whatever it is that you stand in need of, that is the thing that you pray about. You don't have to get lost in all the words, but you just stand and come boldly before the throne of grace and say, God, this is where I am and this is where I need to be. Lord, can you please order my steps? What these men did is they simply, they prayed about it. They prayed and said, God, can you, can you just allow the next day to come? Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. God, I'm in a night season right now, but can you just get me to the next morning? Sometimes we just got to pray and ask God to make it to the next day. Whatever that is, whatever you do, make sure you pray about it first. Here's a second thing that I think we need to do. Eat something. We got to eat something. That sounds super, that sounds super basic, but, but let me give you some context around it. At verse 33 and 34 says this, and as the day was about to dawn, Paul urged the men to take some food, saying, today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food have taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food for it will give you strength for not a hair is going to perish from this head from any of you. Paul said, man, like y'all got y'all need to eat something. 14 days they went without eating because they were filled with such anxiety and so much stress. I can't imagine how weak they were, but you know how it is that sometimes we, when we get a little stressed out, we, we lose our appetites. When we, when we begin to, to be filled with anxiety, we, we lose our appetites. Now, I can't help but to look at a parallel here because did you know that, that there are so many passages of Scripture that refer to the Word of God as nourishment, that refers to the Word of God as food? You're going to see come up on the screen right now varying passages that all refer to the word of God as being something that we need to digest and get into our systems. Passages like Ezekiel chapter 2, Revelation 10, Jeremiah 15, Psalm 119, Matthew 4, which really was my theme scripture when I first got saved, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We see these passages. We even see there, Peter tells us that, that there's many that are drinking the sincere milk of the word, but, but there's also that tension of understanding the importance of drinking and eating the meat of maturity that allows us to grow and to develop. We see these instances in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, Psalms 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. We see this concept and this parallel of the word of God as being something that we need to make sure that we are nourishing ourselves on. Because I think if we're honest with ourselves, we can go through prolonged seasons where we can lose our appetite and become spiritually malnourished. We know how it is. When this quarantine first started, man, you could scroll through people's Instagram feeds and you would see these really cool pictures of Bibles open, highlighters open, and, and all of us sharing what God was speaking and sharing with us. Man, loving the quarantine. God is speaking and doing some incredible things. We get a couple weeks into it and, and maybe, that, maybe that ambition shifted a little bit. It's understandable. But then another day passes. Another day passes. This once open book becomes closed because we've been in this season for so prolonged period of time that we've lost our appetite altogether. And now we may find ourselves in the same way that the men that were Paul was with going 14 days, literally 
figuratively or maybe spiritually, completely disengaged from the very source that can give us strength. I believe that it's in seasons like this that when we find ourselves in uncharted territory, that we need to reevaluate our diet and find ourselves engaging the word of God more now than ever. See, the word of God will nourish your soul and strengthen your faith. And you don't have to do this alone. As a community, we are all reading from the same Bible reading plan, the whole story Bible reading plan. As a community, we read this all together. This is a great Bible reading plan with resources that can help you to to understand what the word of God is saying with videos from the Bible Project. And we even have another tool that we give you from Mondays through Fridays where our our pastor, Pastor Stovall Weems, along with our other community members are all unpacking the very same passages that we're reading. Here's what I want to encourage us with in this season where we're in uncharted territory. Eat something. Get into the word of God so that you can activate your strength. Here's how I see it. When we engage the word of God, we activate our strength. When we distance ourselves from the word of God, it can weaken our faith. And maybe right now we're in a malnourished place. Maybe right now we feel a little bit weakened. But my encouragement for us right now is to eat something. Get back into this book. Get connected to community. Begin to find your strength because you're going to need it if we're going to ever survive being in this uncharted territory. Here's the third thing. Lighten up. Now, that doesn't mean what you may think it means, but let me give you some context. What it says here, verse 38, it says that that when we had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing the wheat into the sea. That means that the wheat was weighing the ship down. And after they ate, they had the strength to get rid of the things that were weighing them down. Okay, I got to believe that you're catching what I'm saying right now, that after they ate something, that after they got something into their souls that gave them strength, they now had the ability to offload the things that were weighing them down. Listen to me, church. I believe that we are in the middle of uncharted territory, but there may be some things that are weighing us down that perhaps we're not supposed to take with us. I found myself saying at different periods of time, I can't wait for us to get back to normal. But it occurs to me there is no normal for us to get back to, because when we truly think about normal, you know what normal is? Normal is high divorce rates. You know what normal is? Addiction. You know what normal is? Homelessness. You know what normal is? Racism and hatred. Those things are normal. Why are we in a rush to get back to things that are so destructive in the first place? I believe that God is allowing this to be a pause so there could be a fresh reset because there are certain things that we're not supposed to bring with us if we're going to make it to our destination. Why are we trying to get back to something that God is trying to lead us from? Maybe this is a season for us to take inventory and simply say, God, what are the things that are weighing me down? What are the things that are keeping me from making it to the destination that you've called me to go to? Lord, I want you to begin to evaluate my heart. Reveal to me the areas in my life where I am missing the mark. I want you to reveal to me the things that I'm holding on to that's weighing me down and allow me to have the strength to offload it. Listen to me, friends. I believe that normal, normal is still being defined. And I think that we have to reset the way that we think about things and stop trying to get back to what it was and recognize where God is trying to lead us to go to. We have to lighten up. We have to begin to shift some things around just a little bit. We have to let go of what we have been carrying So we can carry what we are never supposed to let go of. Here's my fourth and final point. We need to hold on. Because I know that's a little bit confusing. Because we're saying we have to let go of the things that have been weighing us down. But we also have to hold on to the things that God has told us to hold on to. 
So let me show you what it says here in Acts chapter 27, verses 43 and 44. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim, jump overboard first and make it for the land. And the rest grab onto the planks or the pieces of the ship so that they were all able and be brought to the land with safety. See, this ship has been through a lot and it has finally falling apart. They were close to their destination, but they still had a little bit ways to go. And while it is true that the ship fell apart, there was still something for them to hold on to. It's true that what they were hoping was going to take them to their destination has fallen apart, but there was still something for them to hold on to. Listen to me, friends. All is not lost. If God really needed to use what you had, you would still have it. But I can promise you what you do have is the thing that's going to move you into the future. Hold on to whatever it is that's in front of you. If you only have a little bit of faith, hold on to it. If you only have a little bit of strength, hold on to it. If you only have a little bit of hope, hold on to it. Whatever you do have, continue to hold on. I'm reminded of Jacob where he said, Lord, I will not let you go until you bless me. That's the kind of faith that we have to have in saying that, Lord, I'm going to hold hold on until I make it to my destination. I'm going to hold on until I get my breakthrough. I'm going to hold on until I see the miracle. I'm going to hold on until I see the thing that you have promised me. Paul was holding on to the word of God that was given to him in Acts 23, that even though he was in the middle of a storm, that the ship has fallen apart, but the plank that he was holding on to was a little bit different than what everybody else was holding on to. He was holding on to the fact that Jesus said that you're going to preach the gospel in Rome. And Paul was saying that I'm not in Rome yet, which means that God is not done with me yet. And I promise you, there's some of us right now that have, have gotten a word from God. And if we take inventory of where we are, we can clearly see that I have not made it to my destination just yet. So hold on to that. Hold on to the promises of God. Let us stop taking inventory of what we lost and hold on to what we have. God is with you. You see, Samuel tells us this powerful story of where God tells him that he was moving on from Saul. And told him that there's another king that he has now put his favor on. And the Bible tells us that Samuel understandably went through a season of grieving. But then God showed up and said, how long are you going to hold on to the past when I'm trying to move you to the future? I believe that there's many of us that are lost sight of what God is trying to do in our lives. And I understand this. I believe this, that while God will redeem our past, he's leading us to another, another future. Hold on to what's in front of you. Because I believe that's going to be the thing that's going to get you to the destination that God is calling you to be in. See, Paul was he was rooted in Christ and he was holding on to God's promises. Paul was a mature follower of Christ, but he was still being formed through his trials. It occurs to me that that we are very object oriented, but God is process oriented. Here's what I mean by that. We just want to get to Rome. We just want to get to the destination. We just want to get to the breakthrough. Understandable. So do I. But God is also is equally concerned about how we get there. Making it to the destination, but how we get there, that lesson is something that often deepens our dependency on God as well as it strengthens our testimony to so many others. It occurs to me, church, that, that sometimes our storms can be for others. Because if we really were to play this thing out sequentially, if they made it to their destination in the way that they planned it, the 270 plus men that were also on this ship with Paul, they would have all gone to their separate destinations, but they were all in this storm together. They all make it to this island of Malta together. And while they were there, Paul preaches the gospel. While they were there, Paul heals people. While they were there, we see lives that are radically changed, that somehow this storm 
blew them off course, but they end up at a location where lives are radically changed. And here's the thing. I don't believe it's outside of the realm of possibility that maybe, maybe some of the men that were on that ship were also the recipients of the ministry that Paul was doing in Malta. Maybe it's possible that for seasons like this, that for times like this, that we're in a moment where maybe we're experiencing the storm so that Christ can be seen through how we respond to it in a way that could be beneficial for others. We're in uncharted territory, but as long as we're anchored in Christ, we know that God is in complete control. And what I know that there's many in our community, maybe some who are watching right now, that you can feel it, that you're in uncharted territory. But right now you're not anchored in Christ. Right now you can feel like you're just going to and fro, but there is no hope. There is no peace. There is no joy. There is no clarity. There's just hopelessness. I believe that if we can activate this idea of, of being people that can pray, that if we could be people that can find ourselves in the word of God, that if we could be people that offload the things that are slowing us down and stop trying to get back to the way that things were when God is trying to take us to a new thing. And if we can hold on to the truth of God's word, hold on to what's in front of us, that maybe we can make it to our destination with peace. If you're with us right now and you know that your next step is simply to, to anchor yourself in the, in the person of Christ, understanding that, that heaven is real, that eternity is real, and that God is extending an opportunity to us right now for you to say yes to Jesus. And you, had a, you have an opportunity to say yes, but you also have an opportunity to decline and, and, and run that risk of spending eternity away from him. It's not God's will that anyone would perish. I believe that the Holy Spirit is already stirring many of your hearts right now. And I simply want to say, would you consider having this moment of prayer with me? The book of Romans chapter 10 tells us this. It says that if we confess with our mouths and believe with our hearts that God rose Jesus from the dead, that we shall be saved. This confession brings our, our mind in alignment with our heart. It's our confessing and believing it. So if that's you, and you know that your next step is simply to say yes to Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Lord, I repent of my sins. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and that he rose from the grave. I, because of that belief, I know that I am now saved. So, so Father, fill me with your spirit and order my steps. In Jesus' name, God bless you. I'm so proud of you guys. Your next step, if that was you, is simply to text and connect with us. Say decide at 25101 and our team would love to come alongside you and serve you and resource you with everything we can so that you can anchor yourself in the person of Christ. Church, we're in uncharted territory, but God is in control. Peace and blessings. If you just made that decision, you just made the best decision of your life. We are celebrating with you. So if you just made that decision, or maybe you recommitted your life to Christ, we want to walk with you. We want to journey with you. So text the word decide to the number 25101 so that we can come alongside you and resource you for the journey. Yeah. And right now, one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to take um, communion together. And listen, there's two reasons um, that we do this. And so we're in this series, Acts, Stories of the Early Church. Every time the early church would meet together, they would have communion. And here's why. Number one, to remember what Jesus Christ had done on the cross and to keep that at the center of everything. Number two, to, to actually show unity. Because what they're saying is, is no matter where you're from, no matter your background, no matter your race, no matter your creed, we are all one under Jesus and under his blood. And so right now, as we take communion this morning, I want us to take that Take communion with that in mind, what Jesus did, but then also as a symbol of unity 
um, together as a global church. And so if you need to pause this video and go and get um, the elements, you can do that. But right now we're going to take these elements together. And so on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. He said, take now and eat in remembrance of me. Let's break the bread and take the bread together. In the same way, he took the cup and he said that this cup represents the blood of the new covenant for the remission of sins for all. And so now as we take the cup together, let's remember that it wasn't us that cleansed our sins. It wasn't our works or our good deeds. It was the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Let's take the cup together. And God, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus. God, we thank you for what he did on the cross for us. God, we thank you for his body that was broken and bruised for us, God. And we thank you for his blood that cleansed our sins. And God, we ask that right now we would never forget that, God. And we ask that every time that we take communion together, Lord God, that we remember Jesus Christ and we remember that we are unified under his blood and what he's called us to do as a church. And we thank you so much for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much again for joining us today for Church at Home. We are so glad that you were here. Don't forget to follow along with us, to follow along with what's going on within the life of our church on social media. If you watched service today, tag us, let us know what you thought. Tag us, let us know where you were watching from. Yeah. Please know that we love you. We're thinking of you and we are praying for you always. Have a great week, church, and we will see you next yeah. week. See you next week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you heard today. If you'd like more content like this, or you'd like to connect with us, go to celebrationorl.org. We hope you join us next time.